You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, their ZDX is the most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. My name is Jameer Dixon, and I'm a locating Mark Fieldman for PG&E. I protect people. I protect our community. I protect our environment. And when you call A11, I come out to your house, and I mark out our gas lines and our electric lines to make sure that you don't hit them when you're digging. A11 is at the heart of safety. I want people to know what's underneath them when they're digging. I'm passionate about it because every time I go on the street, I think about my own kids. A11 is a free service. Even if you're planning a garden, no project is too small to call A11. Together, we're building a better California. Listening to NBC Sports Radio. Sports Radio. Weekend six is the Two Robbies Football Show. Your number one source for Premier League football on NBC Sports Radio. Now your hosts, Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl. Robbie Earl. Welcome to the Two Robbies Football Show on NBC Sports Radio, where we get you caught up with all the action, all the big storylines on another busy and dramatic day in the Premier League. I'm Robbie Earl. I've got my muck, Robbie Musto, and he's kind of wound up like a coiled spring, and he's raring to go. And we're going to be joined by former Premier League player and prominent UK pundit Danny Higginbottom later in the show. But Musty, let's start this debate at the bridge. Mm. Chelsea facing Spurs in a grudge match. What did you make of the game? Well, I loved it. I thought it was a fascinating tactical battle. I think we all appreciate the Spurs started very well. They give Chelsea a lot of problems. But Chelsea were patient. And that's what was impressive to me, Rob, that they were patient. They were okay with Spurs controlling the ball. They were okay with being forced back at home in their own half. And they realized that Spurs' system were winning at that moment in time. They were passing the ball better. But Chelsea got stronger. They went 1-0 behind, but they got stronger. They knew, my friend, that their time would come with their system and when it did come they took full advantage and showed I guess you know you know my favorite term of this season durability durable difficult diff, diff, different ways to win the match mm. today was they, they've shown the ability to come from behind to win a game of football let me counter your thoughts and I thought Spurs started the better of the two teams I thought Dembele and, and Wanyama were controlling a lot of the midfield play Deli Ali was disrupting the organization Ericsson coming off a wide position it's the first time for, probably since I've seen the three where I thought Chelsea were struggling a little bit mm. to cope with what Spurs were doing albeit only 45 minutes but there was some I think hope that you, you could break this this back three down Rob well, when you look at the, the Chelsea system, and we've talked about it a lot, there are mm. still only two central midfield players. And yes, they yeah. get help from the wing-backs, and yes, they mm. can get help from Hazard and Pedro that tuck back in again. But if, you, if you're good with the ball, it was yeah. Ali, Wanyama and Dembele. Three versus Kante and Matic. And that yeah. worked out for them. And they had a problem. Ali got in behind those two players. He got the ball a lot. He got the ball that led to the Ericsson goal. So yeah. that was a problem. Now, when we can look ahead and we, we look uh, for the future, that is definitely, definitely a way that you get at this Chelsea system. Because most other areas of the field... 
you know, they have air, they've got covers there. Uh, Pedro can go wider, Azad can go wider on the fullbacks. You've got the five at the back. It's in that central area that they did give them a problem. The thing is, though, Rob, they didn't. Yes, they got the goal, but did they create that many other chances to really hurt Chelsea? Mm. I thought Azpilicueta was sensational at the back for them. He's such an important player. Yeah. Dava Luiz and Cahill were, were strong as well. So. I guess the worrying thing is, Rob, that Spurs played so well, I thought they gave everything that they had. I thought there was yeah. certainly revenge on their mind. They were fired up more than the Chelsea players, it seemed, in the first half. And they still c couldn't beat this very uh, robust Chelsea side. Yeah, well, we'll get to Spurs in a minute. I just want to sort of go back to, the, to this Chelsea team that finished 10th last season. It looks, Rob, like somehow Antonio Conte has reignited that spirit, that, that mm. belief that for 45 minutes, I thought Chelsea, in fairness, had to tough it out. But I thought they, they gave like what I like call an adult performance. You know what? We'll hang in there. We won't give them too much away. They managed to nick a goal, great goal that it was from Pedro just before the break. And then second half, they got on top and, and finally wore Spurs down. Is, is that spirit, is, is that winning spirit that they've had? Remember, it was only two seasons ago they were champions. Is that back with Conte? Is that what he's really installed in this group? I, I think it's back and it's even better than, than there's ever been. I mean, well, you, so you would say that this the Conte spirit, team is the better no, than no, no. Uh, I'm in not terms saying... of play, well, there's two questions then, the spirit yeah. and the way they play. Well, I think uh, the, the spirit, I mean, I made a note that, that, that he has injected a, an incredible mm. amount of spirit into the yeah. stadium, into the pitch, yeah. because of his antics, because of the way that he behaves. And you see managers, again, we saw Pochettino talking to him today on the sideline. I don't know yeah. what he's saying to him, but it's yeah, like, but, but, yeah. but he, he kicks every ball, he points, mm. he shouts, he streams, he runs up and down. And yeah. I don't know how much of that is for show, how much of it is real, mm. but what is real is that the fans are reacting to it. The team are reacting to it, well, and it's yeah. providing results. Now, on, your, on the second part of the question, do I think... I mean, it's still early, um, mm. but at the moment, they look as good as a Chelsea team as we've seen. When you're winning, what they won now? Seven on the spin? Something yeah, like seven. That. Yeah, seven straight one wins. Goal. Conceded one goal. Um, with the ability to, to be very, very defensive, and, of course, when they need to, like today when they go behind, they have the ability to break teams down and to, to, to create and score goals. I mean, that takes some stopping. And, and this, I think we agreed that this was going to be their biggest test. And mm. it was and they struggled yeah. for big uh, moments in the game but they had the answers they came through strong and I just think it's a, a really good sign for them Okay, throw it forward. They, they'll, they'll play Manchester City next weekend. We'll, we'll talk about that one a little bit later. But, but certainly City will have the tools and the players and yeah. the possession mm. to look at what Spurs did in that first off and say, you know what, City may, may fancy themselves as, as many teams haven't so far. Yeah, and of, and of course, and we're going to talk about City, but um, mm. they can prepare for this game, Rob. They've got yeah. m vast majority of their star players fit, and some are on the bench. Most are on the bench today. So you're right, and I think a way to beat this Chelsea team is through possession. Like we saw, we had little hints of it today with Spurs and with Ericsson and with... Uh, Obviously, with Deli Ali, Man City are better than Spurs are keeping the ball. So that's what's going to be interesting. I think you're going to see Chelsea sit back, five across the back, four across midfield. It's whether City can find a way through. And uh, it's going to be fascinating because you've got the two different types of style there. You've got the Spanish kind of flamboyant, expansive manager style versus the mm -hmm. Italian um, pragmatic, mm -hmm. organized, disciplined, professional. Um, but I think you're right. I think the possession and making those two players, Kante and Matic, run around in there because they are they are kind of it's hard to get support into yeah. there uh, that's going to be the key to the game
OK, let's turn our attention to Spurs, because it's been a disappointing sort of seven days. I mean, they, they got the great result against West Ham, coming back, winning 3-2, and then defeating the Champions League, go out of that competition, maybe still in Europa, if, if that's where they want to be. You know, lose their unbeaten tag today. I mean, where are we with this Spurs team in terms of last season we were talking about this could be the team of the future? Is, is Pochettino losing a little bit of faith? I mean, it was interesting, and we talked about it on a podcast, where he said maybe this team needs a little bit more real yes. quality. They, yes. They've got quality, but it might not be at that very top end, because today I felt that Chelsea were like adults and, and, and Spurs were a bit like adolescents. Lots of promise, but not quite sure yet how they're going to grow up. I'll tell you what, I, I look at the, the back, the goalkeeper, first of all. They've both mm. got great goalkeepers. They've both yeah. got very good defensive players, okay? We know yeah. the Spurs have been mm. one of the best defensive record, etc, etc, etc. They've both got very good strikers in Costa and yeah, Harry Kane. Forwards, yeah. They've both got very good holding general midfield players, mm. Wanyama, Dembele, yeah. Kante, Matic. That mm -hmm. is all, by the way, much of a muchness. The difference, yeah. the difference comes in the attacking midfield yeah, players. Chelsea three. have got Azard, William and Pedro. Spurs have got Lamella, Hjominson and Musa Sissoko. And you can throw in Ericsson as well. Those three, compared to those Azards and Williams and Pedro are different. I just think that Chelsea have got well, the advantage level below. in that. The they're a level below, and that's why you know you, you, I, you talk about Pochettino as he is he kind of struggling with this squad. I think he's doing the best he can with what he's got available. As he said in, in the Champions League, Rob, to get to that higher level, mm. to get into those last eight and last four of that competition, I think unless you're an incredibly strong defensive and you're, uh, you're a brilliant counter-attacking side, they're going to need better, real quality, like you said. So they're really the not title goals. contenders then. If, if what you're no, saying is true, and we're talking about those right. three players underneath, they're, they're yeah. just the best of the rest. They're, they're, they're fourth or fifth if things go well. They're, they're not going to be top of the pile. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I mean, is there a way for them to, to get fourth spot? Yes, there mm. is. But I, but I, again, just just because of the other teams and how they've strengthened, and now they've got new managers, adding new spirit, new life. You look at Liverpool and City, and Chelsea, of course. It's going to be really difficult. Now, that's not too much of the detriment of Spurs, but you know, they're they're. I bet in, in league table of salaries, I bet they're yeah. in and around fifth and sixth. So it's hard to break into that top four unless they go a little bit higher with the spending, which may be tough to do as they're building a new stadium. OK, mate, fascinating game that was at the mm, bridge and brilliant. Chelsea put an end to Spurs' un unbeaten start to the season. Next, we're going to probably turn to the craziest game of the season so far. Palace went 1-0 up, 3-1 down, 4-3 up, 5-4 <laughs> down. And it was, in my words, cray-cray. So we're going to make some sense of this and hopefully talk to our special guest, former Southampton Stoke defender Danny Higginbottom. He's going to join us after the break. You're listening to Two Robbies Football Show on NBC Sports Radio. Wake up. We're back. Oh, and don't just fake listen, because we know. Welcome back to the Two Rollies Football Show. We're going to turn our attention to the Liberty Stadium. Two teams in real need of three points. The win went to Bob Bradley, his first, and the first as an American coach in the league, and it was such a special moment. We've got a special guest who's going to join us, Danny Higginbottom, is over in the U.S. J Danny, what did you make of this nine-goal thriller? It wasn't one for the defenders, was it? It was, um, it was incredible. I think the, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me was that, you know, obviously at one point you think Swansea won again and Crystal Palace mm -hmm. and it changed again. And the amount of set pieces 
the goals were conceded yeah. from and that has to be a real worry I think for, for both managers the fact of how easy it was because defensively wise you need to be your strongest to survive in the Premier League it's defensive that will keep you up and it's goal scorers that win your, that win your championships yeah, and as a defender, Dan, and obviously you worked with, with one of the, the best sort of coaches in terms of yeah. what he does on training ground, Tony Pulis. Always mm. think from set pieces, those are the, should be the easier things to deal with because the ball stopped, you've got a job to do. If you do that job yeah. generally, you stop the opposition scoring. But for some reason, players' teams seem to switch off. I think what's happening now, Robbie, is that you know, you're taking responsibility away from players. I think what we have seen... Um, a lot in the Premier League this year is zonal marking and I've always been against it as a player because there's so much of a grey area whereas you know if, if you are if you're not doing zonal marking that means you're marking an individual player yourself and it's your responsibility because you know that if you're the player that you're supposed to be marking if he scores you know half time in the dressing room at the end of the game you know you're in big trouble so for me, I think that has had a large part to play in it, the fact that the Premier League's gone very much still on the marking now because of, because of the fear of giving free kicks or, sorry, should I say, giving penalties away. I think it's real fear, Patrick. That's so therefore, still on the marking has, has come right to the front. But that's led to more goals being scored from set pieces. Danny, it's uh, just, I mean, it's huge three points, of course, for Bob Bradley. I was just interested to, yeah. to get your kind of sense or the, the sense of Swansea fans and those in the UK about Bob Bradley, the American, being appointed Swansea manager. Well, I, I did. I did the game against Manchester United, and I did the Stoke City game. And I think a lot of people were of the of the opinion of, well, you know, why has he got the job? You know, what what has he done to get the job? But for me, it's a case of when I look at it, I think to myself, right, any manager that comes in, you give them their due respect and, and see how they go about things. I think one thing that is. It was very obvious early on that he didn't know what system he wanted to use. He used a number of different systems in his first few games. He didn't know his best team. And the games that I saw, they were so open, it was incredible. Yeah. It was as though it seemed to be that we will attack and then you can attack. But in the Premier League, you can't do that because of the, yeah. the plays that you've got attacking-wise are, are incredible. So, therefore, you cannot leave yourselves open. And the one thing that you saw with Swansea, I thought, early on in, in his tenure since he came into to be manager, was that Swansea were at the most vulnerable when they were actually attacking themselves. Now, he needs to obviously understand that and, and appreciate that very, very early. Get a settled team and a settled formation as well. And I don't think he quite knows that yet. I think you talk about the team being settled, Dan, and I think this was the first time he'd named the same eleven that drew, you know, got yeah. drawn late on against Everton last time out. Just interested in your thoughts and maybe how the thoughts were of the pundits and people in the UK in terms of Guidelin did a great job uh, at the end of last season, got them to 12, kept them safe, and then obviously yeah. Bob Bradley comes in. Was there a sense of, of like why did they bother making this change? You know, Guidelin will keep us up. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I think the problem that, that Swansea have had, uh, we, we all know that when they first came into the Premier League, they, they were absolutely incredible. The football that they played was, was fantastic. It was very pleasing on the eye. But unfortunately, you cannot play that style when you're in a relegation fight. There's, there's no doubt about it. You have to strap it out of it. And like you say, with, with Greenland, they, they did that um, toward the end of last season. And in fact, I think he actually signed an extended contract in the summer, if, uh, if memory serves me right. And, you know, they started the season, they had a, a good win early on against Burnley. But the way things are now, it's the Premier League now more than ever. Managers aren't getting time. And then I just think that when, when Bob Bradley came in, everybody was expecting Ryan Giggs, I think, at the mm. time. And you know, there's yeah. a lot of talk about him coming into his first management job. And then I think what happened then when, when Bob Bradley came in, I think a lot of people think to themselves, well, hang on a second. 
You know, there, there is a big thing in this country people are saying about managers. Why aren't young British coaches, why aren't young British managers being given an opportunity? Mm. And I think that was pretty much the thinking probably at the time of a lot of Swansea City fans. And I think I think they felt a little bit aggrieved that they weren't actually um, given a right um, of an opinion of who was going to be the next manager because I think that's the way they like to, to work things at Swansea. And one thing that they've had over the years is they've promoted from within, and that goes with obviously Martinez. You know, they had Gary Monk there who did a fantastic job, and this was this was a little bit left field, I think, from them, and it, I think it caught everybody by surprise. And results will speak for themselves. The, the Manchester United game, where the first 45 minutes, I can honestly say it's. It, it's probably the worst 45 minutes performance that I've seen from a Premier League team in a long time. Um, they got a reaction today. Eventually, you know, I think one thing that that will be gathered from the game today is that the players are fully behind the manager because for them to to, to have that lead to then go down to then come back into the game, it tells you everybody's pushing in the same direction. So that'll be a real confidence booster for them. There's no question, Danny, they've got to improve defensively. But I, I look at the other end yeah. of the pitch as well, and we saw Gilfie Sigurdsson starting up front. We saw in the summer that Fernando Llorente, a marquee player, a, a real top mm -hmm. forwarder, uh, moved to the football club. Borja Baston was a record signing as well, and both haven't established themselves. How important is it that, that one of those players plays up front, or is he going to continue to, to use a false nine in Sigurdsson or others? I mean, Llorente came on today, Dan, and made a, a fantastic impact. He got important goal uh, at the end there. What do you think on the strikers at, at uh, Swansea City? I think when, you know, the players that you just mentioned, you went in particular, mm. and you look at the players that are around him, you know, and this is where you have to get the setup right. What they have got in Routledge and in, and in Barrow as well, they've got two very good wingers. I like to call them old-fashioned wingers that will get down the get down the side of the pitch and um, attack the fullbacks and get crosses into the box. Now, Sigurdsson, like you just said, is, is a player that will drop in, in and, and probably create space in behind for players to get into for the pace of Ravage and for the pace of Barrow. But for me, if you've got a player like Urente in particular, we know what he's like. I'm not necessarily saying that crosses are going to come into the box and he's going to score from everyone, but his physical ability, what he will do, he'll cause a lot of problems in the opposition 18-yard box, so therefore it might be knocked down for midfielders to come into. So I look at the plays they've gone. The one thing that you do see with managers sometimes where they make a mistake is that they come into a football club and they say, right, OK, this is the style of football that I want to play, so therefore we have to play that. Whereas manager Tony Pulis is a prime example. When he goes into a football club, he looks at the players that he's got at his disposal and says, right, what system suits these players? What style suits these players? And I look at the players that Swansea have got, and I think to myself, OK, you've got decent fullbacks, you've got two decent wide players, you, know, you either look to play maybe at a 4-4-1-1, get 2v1s down the sides with the pace of the wingers that you've got, or a 4-4-2, and then you will create a lot of problems for, for opposition because one thing we don't see as much as we used to see is goals being scored from crosses. And I can tell you from my own experience, dealing with crosses coming into the box can be very, very tough at times, especially when you've got midfield runners or you've got physical play to deal with. So from my point of view, Urente would be ideal with the players that you've got that can support him from behind. Oh, Dan, I was just wondering, Crystal Palace, just quickly, we've got like, just over a minute yeah. before we have to take a break, but how okay. damaging was that Was that result for, for, for Alan Pordew today? Massive. I think, it was, yeah, I think it was very damaging. I think that's six straight losses. Uh, he spent a lot of money in the summer, so the pressure's going to be on him, especially, especially the manner of the defeat. To come from behind and then take the lead with something like 10 minutes left and go on to still lose the game 
there's a lot of pressure on the manager. Um, they've got to start getting results. They've got to start performing and performing quickly because I think 2016, I think they have the worst record in, in the whole of the Premier League. So there's a massive amount of pressure on Alan Pardew. So he needs to fix, fix things very quickly. Else I'm sure there'll be a change. Yeah, and there's a reverse fixture of these two games. It comes on January the 3rd. And just wonder mm. if both these managers will be in place. It's an interesting one for those. But on his sixth attempt, Bob Bradley finally got to his first Premier League win as Swansea manager. After the break, we'll take a look at two other teams at the top of the table. Man City travelled to Turf Moor. And Liverpool hosted Sunderland with two teams who haven't quite been playing with the same flares they did early in the season. But we'll see how the day turned out for Pep and for Jürgen after this short break. I'm Earl, he's Musto, and together with the two Robbies on MBT Sports Radio, we'll be back in a tick. Two Robbies football show, and we're joined today by our special guest Danny Higginbottom. But before I get to you, Dan, Musty, I know you were keeping a close eye on the Liverpool game today, and you saw something from the sideline from Jurgen Klopp that you thought changed the whole atmosphere in Anfield. Explain, mate. Yeah, I, I will. And, and I think that the bigger picture with with what he did and the whole kind of story today was. We're not going to be denied. We're not going to be denied by this Sunderland team that absolutely packed it in there. And they had their talented players. Coutinho, uh, worryingly for Liverpool, went out injured. Lalana, of course, wasn't fit to start this game. That's two of their real quality um, creators out of the game. So it was frustrating. Um, it did get difficult. And as you said, Rob, towards kind of as the game was, the fans were starting to get frustrated as Liverpool's attacks were, were, were struggling. And Jordan Henderson knocked the ball out of play. It's one of them that just bombed up a little bit. He tried to slap a ball and it went out of play. And Anfield just kind of let out a collective kind of like a groan as if like oh here we go, we're struggling, we're getting frustrated. And, and Jurgen Klopp jumped off the bench and he's remonstrating to the, the fans basically to say, shut up. Don't do this. Don't create that atmosphere. We need you. We need you now against this pack defence. And he was, he was throwing his arms around. He was kind of swearing. He could lip-read him into the fans. And basically having a go at them to say, don't be like that. Don't get like that. We need you. And I tell you, that the atmosphere, it went from starting to get restless and a little bit frustrated to getting behind the team. And of what Liverpool have got, they've got good strikers. Sturridge wasn't fit, but Divock Origi comes into the game. He scores a really important first first goal for Liverpool, and they go on and win the game. But I just, I just thought I'd throw it to you, Rob, and to Danny as well. It's like, I don't think I've seen that before, where a manager has a go a, a, a bunch of fans to get on the players' back, basically knowing that it's important. And I would say, and I asked the question to Danny, uh, I, I, when we were playing, you, you, you used to get that, the sense of uh, the fans are getting on your back, and it definitely gets through to the players. But we haven't seen that, Danny, where a manager's like, you know what, be quiet, get behind the team. No, he's, he's earned the right, Robbie. I think there's probably only two or three managers within the Premier League that could do that and actually get away with it. You know, I think a lot of other managers would 
the, the fans would probably tell have a dig at them. But yeah. he did it last year, you know, when he first came into the football club. He, he, he wasn't happy with people leaving. He wasn't happy with people leaving, um, you know, the, the ground early. And I think he, he's shown it again. And as, as an away player, when you go to, to other stadiums, I'm sure you two would say exactly the same thing, is that... Mm. The last thing you're told before the ma- by the manager before you go out onto the pitch is to quiet the fans down, and that's exactly what he's trying to make sure doesn't happen because he doesn't do the players any favours. Certain players will get nervous, and then it, it goes throughout the rest of the team. So he's well within his right to do it, but you've got to make sure you get the right the right reactions from the supporters. And like I say, he, he deserves that from the way he's gone about things at Liverpool so far. Do you, do you not also think as well, Rob and, and Danny, that it's almost become kind of part of what new management's about? Jose Mourinho kind of bought it in that, you know, even though you're on the side of the pitch, you have an effect on, on what's going on on the pitch, in the territories. And Mourinho kind of had mm-hmm. his way. You look at Antonio Conte, we see him doing similar similar things at Chelsea today, making sure the fans are making noise. I know Mourinho didn't like it when his Manchester United team got beat 4-0. Mm-hmm. And, and Jurgen Klopp certainly one of them. These new, young, bright managers, can affect the game on and off the pitch and, and they, they sense when things are happening and it's almost like shielding the, the, the kind of glare away from the players and making sure that everything stays positive because as you say, Rob, it's nothing worse than when you know the crowd are on your back a little bit and you play a couple of passes and you, you maybe start not having as, mu- as much ball, not taking as much responsibility on the pitch. It's funny isn't it? because this, this new, new managers that have come into the league, I mean big names and kind of younger managers mm. and we're seeing this style of Pep and yeah, the, of yeah. Conte and Klopp now. Mm. Danny, do you think that this is just a coincidence that these managers have this particular style? Or is this something we're going to see more and more of, of young managers having a, a real active uh, part on the sideline? Yeah, I, I think definitely the, the, the young up-and-coming managers, they are they, they like to get more involved and more animated. It's one of the things, if you speak to to a lot of Manchester United supporters um, about Van Gaal. Mm-hmm. You know, one of, one of the biggest criticisms, criticisms was that he never moved out of his seat. He never showed any passion. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not passionate. It means he has different ways of doing it. But it is, it's, it's, the way, it's the way things are. And, and like you say, you know, the manager you mentioned, you can go throughout Europe. You know, you look at Enrique, you look at Simeone. Yeah. Simeone in particular, he kicks every single ball. And I think the supporters appreciate that because the one word, the... the that, uh, that supporters will always say they want to see from their manager is passion, and that's what they're all showing at the moment in the Premier League. Rob, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, Coutinho's injury. I mean, we don't know how yeah. bad it is yet. They said that they've got to be scans, but that's a blow. Play of his quality, especially with Lallana not 100% fit as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. And I think, you know, I think he was going for a scan after the game. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, they've, they're lucky they've got other players that can come in on wide areas. Origi did great today, et cetera, et cetera. Mane did well to create the penalty that Milner scored. So it's obviously uh, a concern. But uh, we have to wait and see on that one. Another game that we want to get Danny's opinion on is Manchester mm. City. Uh, away at Turf Moor at Burnley. Difficult conditions. It was foggy when it started. There was a low sun there coming. Uh, across the field of play, making it difficult really for, for either team to play out of the back, which of course is going to affect City more. How significant, uh, Danny Higginbottom, was that Man City victory, do you think? I think it was huge. I think it was I think it's the, the first time under, under Pep Guardiola that they've actually come from behind to win a game. It's massive. And it was, it was interesting because, you know, he's, he's, he's spoken before about, you know, dealing with second balls. And I got to spend a bit of time with him a few weeks ago when Manchester City beat West Brom, um, 4-0 at West Brom. And I was in the office afterwards talking to, to Tony Pulis and he came in. And the question was asked to him, you know, how have you found it? 
And he said, listen, you know, when we played in La Liga or the Bundesliga, four or five games a season where, you know, you knew it was going to be tough. He said in the Premier League, he said, every single game is, is unforgiving. And it's so true. It, it's 100 miles an hour and he's getting used to it. And, and so are the players. And it is. It, it's a scrap because what you'll find is the so-called lesser teams in the Premier League, they will they will catch up to the to the big boys when they're playing against them by doing things their way. You know, we used to do it at Stoke City. We knew we couldn't compete technically. So we'd do other things, being the opposition faces and, and, and fitness-wise and everything. And it used to give us a real good opportunity. And Manchester City and Guardiola finding out that all the time there's no easy games within the Premier League. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. And I, I just think it's one of those games that sometimes wins your titles, those ugly games, yeah. two sort of six-yard finishes by Aguero, who's an outstanding finisher, but also gets his, his tap-ins. I thought it was important. I'll tell you what else came out today, Dan, and, and Robbie must have put a tweet out there today and just talked about, in terms of, of two teams, who we thought were, were the better, who were more favourites. Manchester City, Chelsea, they kick off at 7.30 a.m. next week on NBCSN mm. on our show. And we, the tweets sort of were, were, were quite varied. Some were saying Manchester City have better players, but Chelsea's a better team right now. Others said that Chelsea are the better team, great in attack, but defensively shaky. City's uh, is the best 11. And some said if both teams were on form, I think Manchester City are favourites. But the way that Chelsea are playing right now, you have to give them the nod. So, just in terms of, of, of those two teams, where do you see it? And, and I'd, I'd just like to get your, your, your thoughts on your, your tour, eh? kind of out of the cold. You, you, you know, we've all been pros, we've all sort of been on on the wrong side of things from managers. I thought Pep Guardiola's handled this thing perfectly to get Yo-Yo back in the team. wasn't too too great today, but to get him back in the squad is important. No, definitely it is. You know, and he, he does. He looks a revitalised player. He looks a hungry player again. As you know, Guardiola obviously knows him from his time at Barcelona, and he knows what makes him tick. And I think what he was trying to show was that. You know, what, what he was doing today in particular was showing that, you know, he is still a force to be reckoned with. And like you say, Guardiola knows what, what brings the best out of him, and he's shown that completely. So you've got to give great, uh, great credit to, to Guardiola for doing that. But in terms of both teams, I think Chelsea are probably in a, a better place at the moment. You know, Conte's gone in there, knows the system that suits the players. It's a system that he loves to play as well, and he's doing it. And I think that they've adapted to it quicker than, than the players have with Guardiola. But it promises to be, you know, an intriguing battle. There's no doubt about it. I think, Danny, when you when you look at both squads, uh, in my opinion, Manchester City's is a is a deeper, more talented squad of yeah. players. And what's been impressive mm-hmm. with Pep Guardiola, I think we knew he was going to bring um, the expansion, the, the clever football, the possession, the creativity, which he has for the most part, for the majority. But I've been actually surprised of, of how much kind of um, motivation he's brought. You know, this was an ugly win today. This was a grinder. It really was. I mean, ugly goals. I thought the performances from Fernando, Fernandinho, and Otamende were fantastic to go with the other side of the game, of course, that they can do with their talented players. So I think when, when I consider the squad, when I cons- consider the manager and the motivation he brings, I think that Man City are the favourites to win the league. Yeah, no, I, I think that they are, because like you said, you're talking about the, the strength and depth. Mm. You know, um, Chelsea today, I think they were able to field the, you know, the, yeah, I think they played the same team now for, for a number of games. The one thing that, that does go in Chelsea's favour, I think, is the, the lack of European football. Yeah. Obviously, they, they'll get a little bit more of a break as, as things go on. So that could be key. But what it could come down to is which players of, of which team really stay injury-free. The key players, you know, if a, if a Costa gets an injury, a, a Hazard, 
uh, Moses, the way that he's going now, you know, he he, he, he would be a huge miss. I think also if you look at um, Aguero, Manchester City. So it is, it's, there's key components with them. You've got to have large slices of luck along the way, and, and that's what both managers will be hoping because there's no doubt about it. Even if you're one of the, the best teams in Europe, there's certain players that if you get injured, you miss them massively. So luck will come into the season goes on as well, no doubt about it. Hey, Danny, thanks ever so much for your time, mate. It's brilliant hearing yeah, from you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Next, next up, we'll look at a busy Sunday schedule of Premier League action. The biggest high-profile game where West Ham travel to Old Trafford in the first of two games they play there in the next four days. And we'll cast an eye over Arsenal. We need to keep winning with the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City at the top of the table. It's a two-robbies football show on NBC Sports Radio. We'll be back in a tick. You got questions? questions. We, we got answers. Call us and get it off your chest. 855-323-4NBC. Or email the Granger Get It Done inbox. Get it done. At NBCSportsRadio.com. NBC Sports Radio, where every day is game day. Welcome back to the Two Obvious Football Show. Time for the Granger Get It Done inbox. Brought to you by Granger. Visit safety.granger.com for the information to help keep your facility safe and your people safer. Grangers, for the ones who get it done. This week's Granger question comes from Henry in South Bend, Robbie Mustone. He said, after his performance in Thursday's Europa League match against Feyenoord, has Henrik Mkhitaryan earned the right to be a regular in Jose Mourinho's starting eleven? <laughs> well, he has for me, um, but earning the right off of Jose Mourinho to be a starting player, particularly as an attacking player, is very, very difficult. And I can only assume it's been the, the work ethic or the defensive kind of uh, mentality that, that he's shown so far in training and a little bit of action that's kept him out of the team and out of the squad at times. But I'm a big fan of Mkhitaryan. I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant player and such a great mm. season in the Bundesliga last year. And when you look at the team against Feyenoord and you, and you see Mata, Rooney, Mkhitaryan, Pogba, Carrick and Zlatan that's good that's good I, I know that the young players are not in that um, but I think you know he's got to find a consistent lineup. we know Robbie that, 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 Rooney, um, that Mourinho once he gets a team that he really likes he sticks with it well yeah. I, I still don't get the sense that he likes his team yet. He likes mm -hmm. it well enough to stick with it. One matter, by the way, scored again uh, yeah. against uh, Feyenoord. It's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But I still don't get the sense that he is a, a locked-in starter for mm -hmm. Manchester United. Now, I know it's a big squad. I know they spent a lot of money. I know they've got up-and-coming young players. But the sooner that he can find a really strong, consistent starting eleven that are going to hopefully go on a, win a, a, a run of results to win games, then Manchester United will benefit. But you do get the sense, Robert, of late that Wayne Rooney is now very much cemented back in, into the team. I mean, he, he scored again, final, an assist, yeah, and yeah. he's closing in on to Bobby Charlton's Manchester United goal-scoring record. I mean, if he gets a couple of goals, he, he gets that. Just feel that, that, that Rooney's turned things around a little bit at the club. Yeah, he has, and uh, I think it's, it's credit to his mental strength. We all know the stick that he's got for his, his, his drinking exploits with the England national team, which I, I really didn't like. Um, the criticism came, but yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I just like him. I, th I think after knowing him for so long, there's a place in this Manchester United team for Wayne Rooney. It's not that good yet that he shouldn't be in the starting lineup. There will be times when there's a bit of rotation, but again, Mourinho likes to uh, stick with the team, and maybe this is it. Maybe this is the goal start 
for flow kind of late in this uh, Europa game, ready for West Ham United. Maybe this is going to be start now of confidence, of good attacking football and goals at the end of it. Let's move to another. What's a good big game for, for the Gunners tomorrow? They're at home against Bournemouth, 9-15 kickoff on CNBC tomorrow. I mean, three draws lately for, for, for Arsenal. Draw in the North London Derby, draw against Manchester United, drew in PSG, in all, so three draws in all competitions. Mm. Olivier Giroud was back in the starting lineup in, in, in the Champions League. Do you see him starting the league game? Oh, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up, um, quite possibly. And, and I think he's done so well as coming on mm. and scoring. And um, I, I wouldn't have a big problem with it. I do prefer Alexis Sanchez as central striker and, and, um, and with those attacking players that's played with him. There's a couple of things with Arsenal, Rob, I think that's, that's not quite right. They've certainly lost some rhythm, some passing yeah. rhythm, some flow. Um, whether that's Santi Cazola being uh, missing, that's really important as that for central mm. midfield. And also, I got to thinking, you know, they... You know, these draws, they haven't got the emotional power of a Man City or a Chelsea or a Liverpool with the managers that we've already talked about on this on this radio show. You know, in one of these draws, Robbie Earl, wouldn't you think, you know, that emotional power, that motivation, motivational drive from the manager could have taken them over the line? Is that something now that's a little stale in terms of their kind of spirit and determination in, in trying to win a title well, because they've been with Wenger for so long? Yeah, the one thing you, you're not going to see from Arsene Wenger is what you saw from Jurgen Klopp, jumping up and down, getting the fans but, but going. He does it, he does it in play. a different way, Rob. But yeah. For me, it's a period now where I want Arsenal to tough it out. If you're going to win the title, we saw Chelsea today tough it out when it, when it was needed. We've seen Liverpool do that. We've seen Manchester City do that and, and both get results. Can Arsenal, if you're not playing well, if Alexis is not on top of his game, Ozil's not on top of his game, can they tough it out? That's going to be an interesting one tomorrow. And there's no Jack Wilshere for, for Bournemouth, obviously, playing against his, his, prim, his uh, parent club. So that's it for a week when Chelsea made it seven wins out of seven to top the league. And Bob Bradley finally got his first win in a nine-goal thriller at Liberty Stadium. And remember, if you're getting withdrawal symptoms and you need a footy fix of Earl and Musto, subscribe to iTunes to download the Two Robbies podcast. And please make sure to rate and review our show. It goes a long way to increasing our coverage and getting more people involved in the beautiful game. And as ever, you can listen to the Two Robbies football show each and every Premier League Saturday, 5pm Eastern time on NBC Sports Radio. And finally for me, thanks to all the crew at Culver City. They must go do the chatting, but you guys are the real MVPs. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening to the show. And of course, many, many thanks to Danny Higginbottom giving us his take on the big stories in the Premier League. We'll be back next Saturday, 5pm Eastern time here on NBC Sports Radio. But until then, it's good night from me. Good night from me. Good night. Good night. When we listen to the radio, we never agree on the station. Classic rock. Hip-hop. Pop. Guys, quiet. The one thing we do agree on, we all want an awesome free phone. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four free phones of your choice from brands you love, like Samsung, Motorola, and LG when you switch. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Free phone requires port. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.